Today on Radio Bypass, we have a special guest that is a founding member of a band we all know and love. He is also a photographer that has a unique presentation with his photography, runs a recording studio, and can now add author to his resume with his new autobiography just out. Joining us today is Brian Wheat from Tesla. How are you, Brian? Hey, buddy. How are you? Doing well, thanks. Pleasure to speak with you today. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So, Brian, your new book, Son of a Milkman, My Crazy Life with Tesla, um, I found it to be a fascinating read. And you tackle things in this book about your life that I'm sure some people might find hard to talk about. Um, You share some painful memories in this book. So I wondered, reading it, what was it like for you to put those less than pleasant experiences down on paper? Um, I think it was kind of liberating, to be honest with you. I think when you're able to put it down on paper and put it out there in the universe for people to, you know, see, view, whatever you want to do, it kind of sets you free. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you don't hold those, those feelings in anymore. You kind of feel like this weight's kind of lifted off of you. Interesting. Interesting. So it didn't dredge up things in a bad way for you. Then you view it kind of positively. You were able to. No, it was more of a healing process for me. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Just by saying, well, you know, look, if I put it out there, then I don't have to keep it in anymore. Good. Well, I, st- I, I still think it's brave, though, to uh, put that stuff out there. That's I'm pretty impressed by that. Um, well, thank you. No problem. Um, one of the things in the book that struck me um, was that you grew up without a dad, as did I. Um, but in your case, you did meet your biological father a few times. I, too, grew up without a father. But in my case, I never met him. And I always had wondered what it would have been like to meet him. And would that be better if he did turn out to be the jerk that I think he probably was, would that have been better than not knowing him at all? What did you think about that meeting yours? Uh, well, it's, it's kind of funny with, with mine because I met him when I was a teenager and we didn't really hit it off. And then as he got older, he got dementia. Mm-hmm. And when I finally did kind of come to terms with it, he didn't really know what was going on. So I kind of wish I had made a more of an effort when I was younger, not to be such a hard ass, you know? Right. But, you know, when you're abandoned, you really have no choice but to be a hard ass. It makes you tough. Mm-hmm. So... I don't really regret anything, but that's a tough question, man. (laughs) Sorry, man. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. I mean, I get you. I guess at least I got to meet him, you know, and and for that, okay, cool. I got to look him in the eyes and, you know, uh, maybe it's, it's for you it's worse because you never did really get to see him or talk to him or anything i did and it left me kind of disenchanted with the whole thing so well that, yeah and that's what i mean you know in some case in some ways maybe it's better not having met that person if they're not going to be 
a real part of your yeah, life but, anyway. But then I didn't have any questions after that. You know what I mean? I yeah. kind of came to terms with it where in your case, maybe you do have questions, you know, you know, so, you know, it's like I had some kind of closure at least. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. All right. I was just curious that that uh, rang a bell with me when I read that. So I was uh-huh. just curious what your feelings were on that. Um, and then, you know, again, in this book, you discuss so many things that you've struggled with and people that wouldn't have known you until Tesla um, exploded um, probably would look at you and think, oh, man, this guy's got it made. But really, you were struggling with all kinds of things. And you tell a story in the book later on in the book. Um, you know, you've struggled with weight, you've struggled with autoimmune diseases of, you know, all kinds, starting even when you were a young boy yourself. Um, and then later on, you even kind of, in a way, had some thoughts of suicide, it sounded like. How did, you know, how did you get through all these things? Uh, well, you know, that's the one thing I didn't really consider suicide. I, I, and, and I want to make that clear. Um, what I said in the book was I could never really understand why someone would want to commit suicide, how things could get so bad that they would take their own lives. And it wasn't until I experienced some depression a couple years ago that was so severe that I actually, at that point, I understood, you know, okay, I can see how this could be so heavy, but I didn't, I didn't consider taking my own life. That that's that's not that's okay. not where I was at. It was more so you I'm just had more. a better understanding of how people. Could I get just there. had way more of an understanding. You know, I remember when Anthony Bourdain killed himself. I was like, you know, what, or Chris Cornell. You know why? Why? How could it wasn't? You know, and I couldn't understand it. Mm-hmm. It was hard for me to understand. But when I finally went through this one patch. At that point, I understood it. I was like, okay, I now I get how overwhelming depression can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it can um, sneak up on you too, I think. Yeah, and it snuck up on me out of nowhere. So, yeah. Uh, but you recognized it, though. Yeah, I recognized it. And, you know, I, I just, you know, I... I hung with the guys in the crew cause I was on tour and, uh, you know, I would stay in my bunk for the most part and then get out to play the show and then go back to my bunk. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, but you know, I had people around me, so I wasn't really alone very much. Right. Right. Um, where in those guys' case, you know, they were obviously alone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had that going for me, but I, I mean, I, you know, I wasn't suicidal. I was just highly depressed, but I think the point I make is that I could understand it at that point. Right. Right. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Wasn't sure. Kind of, I took it maybe slightly differently when I read it. Um, okay. So let's, uh, let's, Talk about some of the uh, fun things um, that came out in this book, too. So you got to meet um, one of yours and mine, 
uh, heroes, Paul McCartney, on two occasions. Um, uh-huh. the, the story where you talked about him in the window and uh, giving you the sign of 10 and then him actually coming down in 10 minutes to meet with you. I thought that was pretty, that had to be a pretty exciting way to meet the guy. That was that was cosmic, man. That was that was that was insane. You know, <laughs> what are the chances that, you know, I'm in London on the same day he's in London walking through this park in front of his building and he's looking out the window. Exactly. You know, I'm, you know, I, I you know, that was a gift from God. And and was he aware of who you were? I don't it sounded oh, like no, not. No, yeah. No, so I'm still not aware who I am. I mean you know, I doubt that he puts on his uh, puts on a Tesla record, or, nor even really knows. I mean, the last time I met him was a few years back, and and I told him that uh, I was in a band called Tesla, and he asked if I was the singer, and I said no, and I told him I played the bass, and I played a Hofner like him, and right. and stuff. Uh, but he's super super nice guy. You know, really, really just the guy you see on TV when he's doing those interviews and stuff. Right. That's who he is, man. He That's him. He was like that every time I met him. You know, the, he was just super friendly and, you know, give you five minutes. And, you know, considering who he is, he didn't have to do any of that. And I just think he's just a class act guy. Yeah. I, I, that, that, that struck, you know, always has kind of struck me where he seems that way, but then your personal experience that you had in the book solidified it for me. I'm like, wow, what are the chances he would actually give you that sign? You know, give me 10 minutes and then actually do that. It just blew my mind that you had that experience. Yeah. <laughs> and then about five years ago, I think it was in the month of November of 15, you got to meet another mutual hero of ours, Jimmy Page, and have actually stayed in contact with him. What well, was... no, I've been friends with Jimmy Page since 1994. Oh, since 94. So it wasn't um, that museum in uh, Seattle. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. No, so, I, so you've had a long relationship with him. I've had, yeah, I've known Jimmy since 1994. I got to play with him five years ago at the museum. God, and I took it that that's when you when you met for the first time. No, 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 no. I've known Jimmy for several years, and me and Jimmy are really good good buddies. And and uh, they were they were uh, Paul Allen was doing a thing up there where he was honoring Jimmy, and I was invited to go be one of the people paying tribute to him. And I played with Paul Rogers, and we did the firm stuff nice. and uh, at the end of the night jimmy got up and he wasn't expected to but got up and played with us all and uh that was that but no i've no i met jimmy 1994 i met him uh backstage at um at a david lee ross show at the hammersmith odeon in london through our mutual friend ross halfen who's like jimmy's brother and uh, Jimmy introduced uh, Ross introduced me to Jimmy, and and me and Jimmy became friendly and have developed a friendship over the years. And he's just a genuine, sweet, nice, kind gentleman. I mean, I'm lucky because I was able to meet my two heroes, yeah, and actually become really good friends with one of them, which was which is Jimmy, right? So if you would ask me when I was 15 years old listening to physical graffiti and, you know, had Led Zeppelin posters on my wall. 
if I thought one day I'd be, you know, going to Jimmy Page's house and exchanging Christmas presents with him, I would have told you you were nuts. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, that's what we do. So, yeah, so that, we're, that's we're, awesome. we're, we're actually, actually really good friends. And he's a lovely, lovely man. That's very cool. That is very cool. Okay. So you've known him for a couple of decades. All right. Yeah. Hey, so before we um, run out of time here, too, another thing I just wanted to uh, talk about real quick was your artwork. And, and you just mentioned Ross Halfin introducing you to Jimmy. So kind of a good segue because it was him that got you into photography. And mm-hmm. you did that for quite a while. And then more recently, you've had some showings of your photography, but there's a painting aspect to it, too. Can you uh, t- touch upon that a little bit? Yeah, well. I um I was doing you know we do this Monsters of Rock boat cruise every year Tesla does and a few years back Rick Allen from Def Leppard was on there and he he paints as well and there's this guy Christian O'Mahony who um does uh he owns all these galleries on the on the east coast called the Wentworth Galleries mm-hmm. and um so I met with him and I said, Hey, look, you know, I take these photos. Do you think maybe next year on this cruise, we can do an exhibit with my photos? And he said, well, I don't do photography. I do art. And I went, okay. Okay. I understand. Right. Well, you know, thank you. And the next day I saw him at the coffee shop and he said, Hey, I was thinking about what you were saying the other night the other day and I went yeah he said would you consider ever painting on your photos and I went well I don't really paint I don't know how to paint he said well sure you do try it and he encouraged me he said look send me your photos I'll put them on a couple different you know medias formats and you just experiment with enhancing the photograph by painting on the photograph you know that, yeah that's so, part of what i didn't understand that's what i'm looking for is, is yeah talking so about what that. we do is we put the the images on canvases and then certain aspects of the photograph i'll paint and kind of bring to life in a kind of 3d kind of matter mm-hmm. so so it becomes part picture part painting interesting and, and that's that's kind of what I've been doing the last couple of years, and I'm having a real good time with it. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I just wasn't clear on how that. Okay, painting with the photography. I just wasn't clear on how that comes mm-hmm. together. So that's pretty cool, and that's probably somewhat therapeutic for you as well. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I do it a lot in the dressing room when I'm on tour. It kind of keeps me from getting bored, and you know, helps me pass the time. So I've got my collection of paints and my easels and I'm, you know, canvases and I'm out there painting stuff and it's, it's good, good therapy. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then another thing that I think is interesting that, that you do, it seems like you really appreciate old architecture. You know, you've got your J street recorders and a old building. And then um, you've talked about the house you've had in, in Texas, but now you recently bought a historic property in the state of New York as well. Right. Yeah, I'm in upstate New York. I, have, I bought this old, uh, you know, Washington Dulles Airport. Mm-hmm. I bought this old mansion that Senator Dulles owned here in Auburn, New York. And what year was that structure put up? 1840. Oh, man. 
That is amazing. Have you always had a love of old buildings like that? Yeah. Yeah, I love old architecture. That is so cool. Now, this, I assume you don't have to restore this one. It's already been done? Yeah, it was It was already done when I bought it. Yeah, and that's, and that's on a historic register, too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I just got in trouble for trying to put up a fence. <laughs> <laughs> I had the city find me and give me a bunch of grief about putting up a fence. Oh, boy. Did, did, yeah. Do you have that option, though? I mean, because it's something that you can do or you just absolutely cannot well, do it? Well, you got to go through it with them and, you know, go through their design review board and all this stuff. And I just thought, well, I'm just putting up a fence around the back right. to keep my dogs in. And uh, they weren't too uh, too keen on that. Too keen on that, No. Gotcha. And now is that um, is that mainly going to be your your primary residence now? Then, or will you be? Well, my primary residence is still in Texas. I spend the summers here. Gotcha. In New York, and then the winters in Texas. Got it. Smart man. A little warmer in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I know um, I'm, I'm watching the clock here, so I know we probably got to wrap this up, but. Um, I, I did have lots of things to tell you, but I'll just tell you this. The book was just, like I said, a fascinating read. It really resonated with me. Um, a lot of the things that you've experienced um, and how you dealt with them, I think, is is really cool, too. A lot of people can go down the path you did with, you know, all these anxiety issues and all these things and not seek any help. And, um, Knock and it off. I think it's admirable that you did do that and um and and keep working with yourself uh to this day so i think that's fantastic well thank you sorry my two jack russells were getting ready to go at it I stop heard. it you stop it you stop it alfalfa alfalfa's getting ready to go after spanking oh no we can't have that no <laughs> <laughs> I talk about my dogs in the book too. You did, yes, a lot of detail actually, which is another thing. I, you know, I have two dogs too, except mine are a lot bigger though. Um, we went for yeah, the large size breeds. Jack Russell Terriers. I've had seven of them, so I love the breed, and they're my children. So right, right, and and they sure are children too. They're a hundred percent dependent upon us humans, right? So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Brian. I won't keep you. I appreciate you coming by. Um, looking forward to um, more from you in the future. Maybe you'll have a part two to this book. And um, You never know. You never know. You, you don't. I mean, it's not over. You know, it's, life's an ongoing process here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was really cool. I, I really thought it was great that you, that you wrote what you did. I think people that maybe suffer from some of the same things that, that you've dealt with, um, we'll find some solace in that and, and maybe think about their situation differently than they might otherwise have done just by the fact that you came out publicly about those issues. So I think that's um, quite admirable. And um, we look forward to the day that Tesla can get back on the road and seeing you live again, playing in your fantastic band. And um, maybe you can get some more of your artwork and have some more showings of that somewhere around yeah. the country too. I look forward to those days as well. All right. Well, thanks again. This has been Brian Wheat on Radio Bypass. Thanks again, Brian, and you have a great rest of the day. 
You too, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Brian. Just hard every day to be free.